Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, November 30th, the Bonding with Grandma edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. On today's show, we have a question from a listener who's in a travel conundrum. Do they have to use their vacation to visit grandma who lives across the country? Or would it be terrible if they took their four-year-old somewhere else? We're also going to do a round of triumphs and fails. And then, if you're in the Slate Plus Club, we're tackling a very practical question. Our letter writer is looking for some new Christmas and Hanukkah activities that will be great to do with grandma and will actually keep older elementary school kids interested. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. I want you to make candles. Go order a rolled beeswax kit. This is perfect no matter what you're celebrating. You can put the candles on, you know, your dinner table. You can use them in the menorah. You can, like, I don't know. The winter season is all about, like, lighting things up. I would recommend for the little ones the rolled beeswax kits. Um, Older kids like this, too, because you can get really decorative, cut out stuff, push it on there. It's super fun, and the kids get to use them. It's one of our favorite holiday activities. By becoming a Slate Plus member, you'll enjoy a weekly bonus segment and all your beloved Slate podcasts without any advertisements. It's the ultimate way to enhance your listening experience while also providing vital support to the show. You can join Slate Plus today by visiting slate.com slash momanddadplus. All right, we're going to jump into triumphs and fails as soon as we get back from this short break. We're back. Zach, what have you been up to this week? Oh, I've been up to what I have been up to for the last three years, which is changing Ami's diaper. But uh, we got a letter from our lovely new daycare the other day saying it's time for us to potty train this guy. So um, I should say that we knew going in, this is a brand new daycare. The idea is that all the kids are potty trained and they've been working with us for this this first month and said like, you know, it's fine. We'll hopefully get him potty trained alongside you. But it's just been so crazy in our house. We haven't done like the hardcore weekend, take your pants off all weekend and just potty train him. So we we've been slacking. We have been failing on that front. We did a potty training episode. I know we've done several over the years, but like the last specialist we talked to was like, it's going to be so much easier if your kid is like begging to be potty trained, if they're asking to sit on the toilet. And I was just like, just kept waiting for Ami to tell me that, um, (laughs) which he has not. Uh, And so now we have to go in and, uh, and make this happen. And so he he is peeing on the toilet when we are like really intentional about it, but he has he's like maybe had one lifetime poop on the toilet, and you know he doesn't like his playing disrupted, and he just doesn't seem ready yet. But like it, tough shit for us, um, no pun intended there. Uh, like it's time, and so we're gonna really try to be as intentional as we can and incentivize the heck out of it because I don't want to be the family at school who's getting letters sent home that their kid's the only one who isn't potty trained. I don't want to say I felt ashamed when I got it, but it wasn't like a great email to get. 
And so it's time. I mean, he's three and almost three months, and I think he can handle it. I, I think it's just up to um, Shira and I to to make it happen. Good luck. I was so lucky. Naima's daycare potty trained her. That's ideal. <laughs> That's amazing. I Maybe mean, considering how many hours they spend with the kids each week, it kind of right. makes sense that they would be part of the process, you know? Yes. And this new daycare is like they they give them stickers and they they do work really well with the kids, but I think we have to we have to do more on our end. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we already got him some blaze underwear, which yeah, he's excited about. Great that we're doing this at school, but at home, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> these people still change my diaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, well, good luck. Thank uh, you. you have Anita. to keep us updated. I will. What's um, new with you, Elizabeth? I am taking like a personal triumph. Okay. Jeff has started traveling for work again, which means that I am here with uh, the boys alone, which has meant that I have to drive. I got my driver's license when we got here, but have not driven. Jeff has been doing all of the driving. Uh, For school, it makes the most sense to drive the children in the morning, and then they take the train home in the afternoon on their own. Driving in the morning is super quick. It's like 12 minutes to school. The trains mm-hmm. in the morning are really crowded. A lot of times they they have to like push onto the train. So if one of us is not with them, it's kind of a, a traumatic experience for them sometimes. So when Jeff left, it was like, okay, I'm going to have to drive. I drove one morning with him in the car, um, which I think I've told enough stories to know about like Jeff and I, not the best like coaching experience for me, for me. Um, (laughs) he like wants to be a teacher at every moment, which is wonderful, except when it's your spouse, you know? And so you're just like, shut up, (laughs) just let me drive. (laughs) So I, I have been driving them all week with like no problems. I am able to back into the appropriate parking spots. I have just done it. What would you compare this traffic to of all the cities you've been to? There's Manhattan? a lot of cars, but they drive really slow. It's like nothing else. They, it's, it's huh. everything's very slow. And the good news is, like, they follow all the rules. Like, you put on your blinker, they let you in. Mm-hmm. Everything's moving slowly. Um, for me, it's just the. It's like nowhere else in the world in terms of just the sheer amount of of people and bikes, and the bikes come on and off the sidewalk. Um, they can ride with traffic in. I'm going to say bike lane, but it's really just like, you know, the, the leftmost lane. And then, um, but then they can hop on the sidewalk and use the crosswalks. And so it's just a, it's just a lot to take in. Well, good for you, dude. You can also very easily like end up on a highway that's seven stories, (laughs) um, like above (laughs) ground. Or one time um, Jeff was driving and we went into this like spiral, like, like a, one of those parking decks that like spirals, but we were going down and then we ended up in a tunnel and then like eight minutes later came out of the tunnel and we're essentially out of Tokyo. So like Jeff is able to not worry about any of that in the car. I am constantly yeah. worried about, all, I'm like any moment now, <laughs> I could just end up in a tunnel out of Tokyo. Is this a van that you're driving? Yes. But like my van is the size of a, a normal size car in, in the States. What's uh-huh. it called? Can we look up the car? Uh, yes, I am in a Freed, a Honda Freed, F-R-E-E-D. Um, the large van is called the Alfard. <laughs> oh, this is, this looks very cute. 
My car is red wine color. <laughs> okay. It has oh, none of the bells and whistles. My backup camera is not working. Does it have a third row? It does, yeah. Wow, it must be so, so it's tight back there. It's tight. It's yeah. like fitting all of that into, I feel like it's the floor size of like a Camry. We just have all of the wow. space. Uh-huh. Cool. Well, good job. That's that's no small task. Driving in LA is way worse. We've all we all drove in LA <laughs> on that trip. It's way worse. People are like mean and uh, <laughs> I just don't want to hit anyone, guys. I don't want to hurt anybody. You're not gonna hit anyone, Elizabeth. You got you're gonna be good. <laughs> Jamila, how's your week? I'm gonna take a triumph too. Yes. Um, I went to a funeral last week in Oakland. Uh, one of my sorority sisters passed away. It's definitely been a difficult time, um, but it was good to see a lot of my other sorority sisters there. Most of them are based in New York, so I don't see them too often anymore. And so one of my sorors, which is what Black sororities refer to their members or their fellow members as sorors. Uh, one of my sorors ha- lives in Oakland and she has a dog, a Frenchie, and her dog had puppies. And so we're at dinner and we're talking about it. And my other sorority sister, whose daughter, also a member of our sorority, who lives in LA, she goes to USC. Um, she's like, wow, you know, my daughter would love to have one of those puppies. How do we get it back to LA for her? <laughs> oh, Jamila, you can take the dog. <laughs> and so, was it was it really as simple as like them straight up volunteering you for this task? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, like someone asked, like, Jamila, could you do it? And everyone okay. just looked at me and I'm like, how do I say no to this? <laughs> you know, um, it's only about a 45 minute plane ride from Oakland to LA. Yeah, that's, a, that's a big difference. Yeah, like I, I couldn't have done this from New York. You yeah. know, like I, I probably would have said no. And I ended up missing my flight because the <laughs> one who had the dog came a little late to pick me up. So I had I ended up like having to switch airports and, you know, fly into a different airport oh, and everything. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't think I was going to get Naima on time. It was the whole thing. But um, <laughs> luckily, I made it out. And I've never I'm not I'm a cat person. Everyone in my family is a cat person. Like both my grandmothers, my parents, my siblings, we all have cats. We all do cats, you know, and like I've never really hung out with a dog before. Like I've never I, I like. I have no dog experience. So like I'm at security. I have to take him out of his case and hold him, you know, to walk through wow. so they can scan the case. How and old I, is this dog? Like, I don't know. He weighed about six or seven pounds. So I guess maybe he was a month or two old. I don't know. I don't understand dogs. So it was all like, you know, when she said, oh, he's little. He's only like six or seven pounds. I'm like six or seven pounds, you know. I don't know. He was dog aged and <laughs> <laughs> old enough to leave like, its mom. <laughs> old enough to leave its mom. And he pooped in the car on the way to the airport. So I was so afraid that he was going to like pee or something, you know, and it was like a soft case. And 
And I got a little of his poop on my dress. It was like a whole thing. And luckily, we made it through. He was quiet. He didn't, you know, I didn't do anything to comfort him. Yeah, like what I, would you have done if he, if he was a yapper? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, I just read my book and looked down at him every so often. And he just kind of seemed to be sitting there chilling. And wow. we got back. And I took an Uber home. And... I was like, okay, well, the girl who was supposed to come pick him up wasn't there yet. I was like, what do I do? Like, I'm home. I have a cat. Like, I can't just leave him in the carrier. So I took him on his leash, and I was getting ready to take him for a little walk. We were finally bonding, and then the girl who was coming to get him picked him up. So she was so happy. The look on her face was totally worth Mm. it. You know, she's our baby sorority sister, so we all kind of spoil her a little bit since I've known her since she was younger than Naima. Now she's a college sophomore, um, junior rather. So we made it. At what point in the trip did you start to think about what you're going to, what favor you're going to ask in return for this monumental friend chore? You know, it never occurred to me. That you you passed the test. You passed my test. That's right. (laughs) That's how good of a sorority sister she is. Yes. Is there a newsletter? I feel like you should be. (laughs) be, You're like your picture in the newsletter, the sorority sister of the month. (laughs) Absolutely. I really didn't mind. (laughs) You know, I like to think they do it for me, even though I would never ask. Um, (laughs) All right. On that note, we're going to take another quick break. See you back here for our question. We are back. Here's today's listener question. Hi, mom and dad. As the mom of a four-year-old, what responsibility do my husband and I have to ensure that my son can develop a close relationship with my mother-in-law? I am conflicted about when and where to plan our next family trip. My husband doesn't want to use our limited time off work to visit his family, but I'm on the fence. We both agree it's not our first preference, but I'm wondering if we should make a minor sacrifice in our vacation enjoyment on behalf of our kid. Some additional context. We live in California and she lives on the East Coast. She doesn't like to fly, but she's done it in recent history. When our son was first born in late 2019, she came to visit us for the first time. After that was COVID, so we traveled back less frequently, but still managed to visit her three times in four years. She has not traveled back to California since our son was born. My husband has consistently invited her to come visit us, but she has not made the trip. Now our son is four, and when she calls on FaceTime, he doesn't know who she is, and he often walks away from the phone disinterested. This interaction hurts my husband's feelings, but my son doesn't seem terribly impacted. My husband and his mom speak once a week, but don't have a very close emotional relationship. There isn't a financial or health reason she can't fly. She has the summers off as an elementary school teacher, so presumably she likes kids and often comments on Facebook about how cute or smart or funny he is. We would love your advice about what you think our obligation is to make sure our young son has the access to develop a relationship with his grandma. If she's finding it challenging to make the effort herself, do my husband and I have to make an extraordinary effort on behalf of our son? Or if we decide to prioritize taking a family vacation, visiting other relatives, or camping with friends, are we depriving him of an opportunity to develop a meaningful bond with his grandma in early years? Conflicted about making family plans. Oh, boy. What do you think, Zach? This is a tough one. I I think it's very thoughtful and sensitive of you, letter writer, to be thinking about this. But I really feel like this, 
is a question for your husband. I think he needs to take the lead here. You say that, you know, it hurts his feelings when your your kid walks away from FaceTiming. Like, does your mother-in-law know that her son is uh, a little distraught about their relationship? Does your mother-in-law know that you are thinking aloud and a lot about this uh, dynamic? Does she know that you want her to be more in your life, but you're not sure if if she wants to be in your life? This is all to say your husband and his mom need to have an actual conversation, um, which I know is tough for some sons and tough for some moms, but it's very important. It's possible that you might be a really helpful facilitator of this conversation, but regardless of your involvement, your husband needs to get clear with his mom and vice versa, um, because there's so much conjecture here. And I think it's great that you you want your your son to, to have a relationship with his grandmother. I think that that he should. But there are so many things that we don't know here and, and so many things that you can know if you and your husband uh, in particular have an uncomfortable but clarifying conversation with grandma. I feel like this is is like the question of our time or something. Like we get a lot of questions that are kind of like, Absolutely. how do I balance this obligation to see my parents and or my in-laws or whoever with like my desire to have my family do family things that we want to set. And I find it yeah. fascinating. I mean, I sure I feel this as well. We have, um, you know, one set of parents travels more than the others, like and trying to figure out our obligation. But I sometimes feel like these letters are looking for permission to like, go have your family, like you, your spouse, your children go do things that you want to do. And I always like my gut instinct is to be like, it's okay. You do not have to use every vacation day, seeing your parents, your in laws, Zach, I completely Mm -hmm. agree with you that they need to like husband and family need to work this out and what that looks like and set boundaries. And he needs to be the owner of that relationship. Yeah. Um, I think you and your spouse can have a conversation about what your priorities are and how mm-hmm. to meet those priorities. So if your priorities are that you want to travel, take these camping trips, do this, and you always want to just invite his family to join, do that. I I understand that there are consequences to not seeing family, but you and your partner are adults. You know what those consequences are. And as adults, we can accept those. Like we can say, this is just not the way we want to utilize our family time, you know, traveling back to the East Coast once a year. Here's what we can do. I guess what I'm not clear on is who do you guys think is responsible for this grandparent grandchild relationship? Because, like, obviously the child is too little to do anything. So is it the Correct. parent's responsibility or is it the grandparent's responsibility? Like, what what do you guys think? I've always felt like it's the parent's responsibility. I have to admit, like, Naeem and I could have been on a ton of family vacations, you know, but we go home and visit my family and her dad's family uh, once or twice a year, you know? Um, there's a lot of places we could have gone to and a lot of things that we could have done, Um but I feel like it's my obligation to make sure that my daughter has a relationship with her family. So I bring her to see them. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a relationship, so it's on it's on both of you. But but in the end, you are the one in in control of your kid who does not have any real responsibility as a four year old. So I, I mean, I agree. It's mostly that of the parents, but. And I also like what you were saying, Elizabeth, that like you can invite mother-in-law on these trips and then if she says no, it alleviates you basically of all the burden that you might be feeling now of not, you know, feeling like she's a part of your life because then she's making it clear for whatever reason, you know, she's she's not um, interested or available. So um, I, I like that. I like that concept. Maybe she can meet you all somewhere and maybe you all can meet in the middle. So it's not a terribly long flight for her. But, you know, consider inviting her somewhere to join your family. And then that way you're creating memories together and you get to do something different aside from just, you know, being at grandma's house. Like Florida would be the middle for you all. That's a great place to visit. Yeah, I just think there's so many trips to invite them on and I I know that for us has kind of been the key because we have made it a priority to travel and see things with the kids Um, and my children just like don't do well being parked at someone else's house and we're in the way Mm. and it's just not the best um, relationship like it's always worked better to be like hey can we plan a trip where we can see you and you can come to this part and we're happy to do that's like legwork I'm happy to do um, figuring out where we can all go that we'd want to go. Um, but again, they have to come their part way too. Like I just don't do well with the, like, you have to always be going back and, and the time and everything that that takes when you are the parent of the young kids. I don't, I just like really sympathize with this idea that you have the kids you have like are in this stage where you're constricted by, work and all these other obligations that's the stage of life you're in and theoretically they're in a stage of life where there's more flexibility Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so like how much of that can can you incorporate them into your life i do want to talk about the facetime thing because i actually think this is something that they can do something about i think it's really hard we like think that facetime on its own will like build a relationship and having lived far away from family or friends, the idea that you can just like put your kids in front of FaceTime and hope that that builds a relationship. But there are so many great apps and things now where you can play a game, read a book together, do all of these things on the app. Do that with grandma. Don't just set the kid in front and expect them to have an adult conversation Mm -hmm. um, because that wouldn't be happening even if you were together. Like no three-year-old is like sitting at the kitchen table just having a conversation with grandma when you visit, right? They're doing stuff together. They're coloring, they're reading a book, the, they're they're watching them play. Um, so as much as you can make that happen on FaceTime, I feel like that's how we've used FaceTime to build these relationships. There are some great apps where there are storybooks on there and the kids can like flip and read together. Mm. If you can come up with an activity that they call and do weekly, we've had like periods of time, um, particularly when the kids were learning to read, where they would call and read to grandma, grandpa, and we would just make sure that we had the same like set of books or that we were reading a book online. My parents would go get stuff from the library. So this is going to be five minutes consistently. So not once a week for an hour, like three evenings a week or something for five minutes or while you're making dinner or 
whatever your husband can work out with his parents. But I really think if you can get an activity, you could make this time you do have meaningful. You can also do what my father-in-law did a couple of years ago, where he took to cutting like animals and just cool stuff out of magazines and newspapers that he read and just putting them in an envelope and sending them over to us with like some questions. Um, and you can just like have a pen pal relationship too, where it's exciting to get something in the mail. Like that's always exciting. And then your kid can in turn, you know, send like a, an art project or a drawing that they make of, of, of grandma back. And that gives both something to look forward to. That's pretty low stakes and doesn't require like staring at a screen, which we know is very hard for um, a four-year-old to do if it's not, Paw Patrol. What kid doesn't love getting something in the mail? Yeah, it was great. Like, that's such a great idea. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for getting in touch, Travel Plans. We hope that some of these suggestions helped. Everyone else, if you've got any burning questions or just want to chat, drop us a line at slate.com or ring us up at 646-357-9318. Seriously, we're all ears for your questions, so send them our way. And that's our show. Subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Mara Curry. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening.